Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church Podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor John McDougall, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. Join me in Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24, we'll begin reading in verse 3. To context this, Jesus is preparing his disciples for his departure, and this is need-to-know information. This is, they're tuned in, they know something's coming, and so they're listening, and he says that, or verse 3 says this, as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately to tell us what will, um, they said, when will this happen, and what will be the sign of your coming at the end of the age? Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Time, history, is moving towards an end. This age that we live in is not just to carry on indefinitely, but there is a very clear end that our Lord speaks of and that we know is coming. As we move towards that end, we face an ever-present threat that our Lord summarizes in verse 12, as he says, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. As I read that, saw my own heart a warning but I realized you know it it just highlights the reality guys we're we're not playing games here there's a war that's on a spiritual war and it's for the hearts of people including us and the danger is that the devotion of our heart would grow cold especially as The environment around us grows dark. Can you feel this in the air even today? Our culture, and I I know we've been through a unique season as a, a world going through the pandemic. But the darkness, it feels like there is an increase in wickedness and the danger is it would douse our devotion, our love for Christ. We were talking as a staff this past week of how would you describe what you're feeling in our current 
cultural atmosphere, and several words just kept coming to the surface. One was distracted. As followers of Christ, it just feels like we're coming back to normal, but yet we're, we're distracted, and, and there's a tendency where our chasing all these other things, we, we've, our love for the Lord or our devotion to the Lord can, can become secondary. There's a, another word was divided. We know that the enemy, the devil, lives in the grudge, lives in the division, lives in the, the fractured relationships, and we've been through a season that's divided family members, and, and there's uh, division around, it seems like every month here comes another reason to, to take a side, and we're living through a season of division, and then the third was disillusionment. Tyson mentioned this word that captures, I don't know if you feel that, but it's like, what can you count on? What can you believe in? What can you, it's our authorities, our political systems, they're all, seems like everybody's living for their agenda. Experts, I mean, you pick an expert, and it seems like there's an agenda there. Um, everyone... It just feels like a disillusionment with humanity as a whole. <laughs> we just haven't done a very good job through this in many ways. A disillusionment with even the future, like hope for the future. And living in this cultural atmosphere of distractedness and dividedness and division and uh, disillusionment, you can feel that the way it douses could douse our love for the Lord. As a church family, we face this as well. And even this week, as we came to this passage, I was struck with a warning that the letter that was written to this church in Ephesus was not the last word of God to them. Paul dies, and another word is given to John in Revelation to this very church. And it's Revelation chapter 2, words of warning to our heart as well. In verse, Revelation 2, verse 2 says, This is the Lord speaking to this church. I know your deeds. I know your hard work and your perseverance. So they've been serving well. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and you have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love that you had at first, that love, intimacy with their Lord. Consider how far you have fallen repent it's a change of mind and do the things that you did at first if you do not repent i will come and remove your lampstand from its place you have forsaken your first love that word carries that idea of abandoned or walked away from and as i read that i, I feel that temptation i feel that very real danger in my own heart and I, as a church family, I know especially as we move through these times that we can start going through the motions for the Lord, checking off the list, and that intimacy that he created us to enjoy with him fades into a distance. What's the answer? And as I was praying over the text that the Lord has led us to today and this time this morning, God gives us a prayer in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21, that serves as a hinge point. Paul has been covering doctrine that's true of us, true of who we are in Christ. But he prays this prayer that I believe is 
is a means of grace that will keep our love hot for the Lord. I pray we'll keep it hot for the Lord till the day he calls us home. And as this prayer is answered, it fuels us to live everything he's going to call us to live in chapters 4 to 6. But the prayer for this hour and for each one of you who are here is that God would do a work in each of our hearts through his word today and in these moments that would stoke our love for him so that every soul that's in this room or listening online and receives it by faith would have a love that burns bright and burns hot till the day God either calls us home by death or calls us home in his coming. That's my prayer for this hour. And I believe he can answer that and desires to answer that in each one of us. And so can we just pray that and then we'll, we'll dive into the text. Father, we thank you for your word, which is the means of grace by which we live this life here. And we don't know if this is the end of the age. We do know that we feel the darkness around us. We feel the unique season that we're in. And we feel the, as the rains fall today, even though our devotion to you can be doused by all that's happening around us. But I pray, God, that in these moments, for each person here, each person listening, that you would use this word to stoke such a fire, such a love for you, that would burn bright until the day we're with you. Pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Well, if you would, join me in Ephesians chapter 3 is where this prayer is found. And this is Paul, is, it's in English broken up into several sentences, but in the Greek it's one sentence that Paul prays. It builds upon itself three requests that really form one request, but they, they build upon themselves. And we'll outline, we'll, we'll uh talk through this or unpack this, and then we'll pray this together. So verses 14 and 15, he says, For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name. Now when Paul says for this reason, he's picking up a thought that back at the beginning of chapter 3, he says the same. He says for this reason, he was, then he gets sidetracked and took us into that great truth last week. But it's important to know what reason is fueling this prayer. And if you look back to chapter 2, verse 22, Here's the reason that, that leads to this prayer. He says, and in him, in Christ, you two, speaking of the church family, are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So what's fueling this prayer? What's Paul praying about? It's this, guys, that what God is doing in his church is he's building us together to be a dwelling place for the living God, which is mind-boggling, but remember that's a theme that runs through scripture. It's um, it's the redemptive plan of God that we would be a dwelling place for him and um, know that intimacy and experience this life with him. And he goes on to say, I kneel before the Father. For this reason, I kneel before the Father. It's, it's significant to note the word kneel there literally is I lay prostrate before the Father. I'm on my face before the Father. As Paul is praying this prayer, he's not on his knees, he's on his face which signifies the urgency, his dependence upon the Lord, but also the urgency of what he's about to pray for these people. Today, as we pray this, would you be willing to just, in, the, in your own heart, pray with a similar dependence and urgency that God would do what, what Paul asks him to do in our hearts as well. He goes on that we see three requests in verse 16 as he says, 
I, the first one, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power. So he's praying for a strength for these people and a power through his spirit. So the, the indwelling Holy Spirit in your inner being. So talking about our soul or our, our interior so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So important to note, there's that word dwell again and the treasure of the indwelling presence of God. The first request is this, to sum it up, to be strengthened in our inner being to experience the indwelling presence of Christ. So what's he praying for? He's praying that God, out of his glorious riches, his power would strengthen each one of us with a spiritual power. That's, this is that inner spiritual strength that only God can give us, but when he gives it to us, we have the capacity to see what we couldn't see by faith. We can see that he, who he is and what he's done and what he's promised, and we trust him to carry the moment. So we no longer walk by sight, trusting our own strength, but we walk by faith in what he said, and we trust him, and he provides. And he's saying, I pray that you'd have that strength so that you can resist the temptation to get it on your own. You can resist the temptation to elevate yourself with pride, that you'll humble yourself before God, before those around you. Trust me with the moment that you would have this strength so that Christ would dwell in your hearts through faith. Is this salvation? No, he's talking to people that are already saved. They already have trusted Christ by faith. He's talking about the abide, the treasure of treasure, the John 15 treasure where Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches, abide in me. It's the indwelling presence of Christ as we do our everyday life. The mystery, guys, of this dispensation, of this age, is that he is dwelling within us. And Paul's praying, what, what, what keeps him from dwelling within us? It's, it's our sin, it's our um, lack of faith, it, it's those things. And, and so he's praying that, that we would have the strength to surrender fully to him, to trust him, that he would dwell within us, that we would treasure his presence and live in the joy of his presence. And so today I ask you, would you be willing to make it, just ask the Lord, give me a longing for your presence. Of all the things I want, think about all the things that occupy our minds and distract us and the things that we, little things, big things, but may the main thing be, Lord, I want, to, I want you to dwell in me and your presence is my longing. Your presence is my treasure. That's his first request. May it be ours as well. The second request flows out of this one. As Christ dwells, as he, uh, in our hearts by faith, it leads to this. He says, and I pray that you being rooted and established in love. So here he's saying, okay, you already know about the love of Christ. You've been rooted in it. It's an agricultural term, which means to sink our roots down into something and it gives us life. So He's talking to those who have already trusted Christ as their Savior. If you haven't, his invitation is open to you to, to receive the gift of salvation through faith in him. But he says, um, speaking, we've already done, most of us have done that. These folks, you've been rooted and established. That's a neat word. It's, it's the word, uh, it's an ac or, uh, architectural word which refers to foundation stone. And it's that idea of the stability of our life is built on the love of Christ. We've already been rooted, established in, in his love. But now, he's, he's praying. I, I'm praying for something more. You've already, you're stable and you're coming alive in Christ through his love. But now, here's what I'm asking. This is the request. That you may have power together with all the Lord's 
holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love which surpasses knowledge. Notice that as Paul prays for power, he doesn't pray, I pray that you would have power with all God's people to go do something. To go get it done. To go get out there and serve. And to go get... No, why? The starting point is not what we do. The starting point is always what he has done for us. And it's, he's praying that we would have the power to grasp. It's literally to, to comprehend, to apprehend. I keep picturing, a, you know, on a ski slope and you have a rope that you hang on to and it takes you up so you can see and ski. It's like to hang on to this truth, which is the vastness of the love of Jesus Christ for us, the limitless love of Jesus Christ. Where do we see the limitless love of our Lord? And, and people, you can, I encourage you on your own, just take these four dimensions and think about them, pray about them, and let God share whatever it is that, that he has to encourage you with. But I love going to the cross and thinking about the width of our, our God's love seen in Jesus Christ at the cross. As our Lord spreads his hands to die, it's as if he's saying, the width of my love is for all people, all nations. Whatever you've done, everyone who will come to him in faith can be forgiven. The length of his love, as you think about how wide, but, but also how long it's that, that his plan to redeem us, to make a way for us to be right with him, was birthed in eternity past. His love runs into eternity past forever, and his love runs in, into eternal, eternity future. For those of us who know him, there will never be a moment in our existence that we are not surrounded by, pursued by, the love of, of Jesus Christ pouring over our lives. <laughs> how long is the love of Christ? But then he says, how deep is the love of Christ? And as that cross went into the ground, it goes into where our, we are the deepest parts of our depravity and his humility to come to earth, to wrap himself in humanity, to take our sin upon himself and die in our place, suffer in our place so that we might have life. And then the height of his love. And I, the psalmist often says, God pulled me out of the miry pit, put me on the rock. Well, what's the rock? We know further revelation, uh, revelation 21, 22. It's the new heaven, the new earth. It's a beautiful future forever with him and with those who love him. The height of his love, the heavens, <laughs> you look up and we can't measure. You know, we're still sending measurements out into the universe and God's saying, hey, I made all this just so you get a glimpse of how much I love you. I love the way the songwriter puts it. Could we with ink the ocean fill? And were the skies of parchment made? So put, fill the ocean with ink, skies or paper. Were every stalk on earth a quill or every corn stalk a a writing utensil, and every person ascribed by trade to write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. Today as we pray this prayer, may God awaken us to the limitless love of Christ. How do we keep our love from growing cold when it gets dark in our culture? I believe it's by 
praying this very prayer, God, would you give me the power to grasp the enormity of your love, to kneel at the cross and refuse to get up until we see it again, his love poured out to us in Christ. The question to ask today, in my heart of your heart, am I living awake to his love for us? And you know, it's interesting as a church family, one of the neat things about God putting his church together is there's no other church like our church. And if you belong to another church, no other church like that church. And it's because we're unique people going through unique times. And, and it's just cool. God put us all together to, to share life with him together. So, and I often think, you know, no other church has you in it. And that's part of what makes this church special. Well, this week uh, I was tracking what we were praying for a little Amara Howard as she had a fourth grader, had sur- broke her ankle and was going to have surgery. But the unique situation was her dad is, this, is a foot surgeon. He's going to be there. And so I'm praying for her, but also thinking about this text. And finally yesterday, I'm just like, called Tim up and he just got done coaching a soccer game. He was like, hey, would you be willing to share with us what was going on in your heart as a father for your daughter so that we might get a glimpse again of God's love for us? And and there may be a parallel. And so Tim was kind enough to shoot an email describing a bit of what, what he was feeling. He says, if you know Tim, he's a, uh, he is up at the hospital before I think most of our alarms go off. It's usually before 5 o'clock, I think. Hard worker. And he says I, he arrives when it's surgery day, 30 minutes early, just to get his mind in the game and to pray for his patient. And then he goes through a checklist. As he enters the room, there's a... Uh, He checks in with each team member that will be helping in the surgery. He looks at the supplies and makes sure all the supplies are are there ahead of of time, the instruments and the the hardware that will be needed. And then he gets the warm blankets ready for the patient as, as they will soon arrive. But when the patient is your little girl, the preparation begins far before that morning. And Tim describes, as soon as he knew the surgery would happen, he wasn't just relying on his own excellent, um, well-trained mind. He was calling around the nation to experts that he knew in the field to make sure his plan was the right plan. And it was. He, uh, he writes how he called the reps days in advance, those who would provide the, the necessary equipment for the surgery, just to make sure it was there for the morning. He arranged the anesthesiologist that that he wanted. All done so that the morning of, I could be dad and not doc. So I could stand next to the operating table and feel the fingers grasping my hand under the warm blankets and whisper, I love you and I've got your back. All wishing, all the while wishing, that I could trade places with her in a heartbeat. As I think about what Tim was filling for his daughter and then think about what Amara, do we have a picture of little Amara? Did we already put that up? Did I picture her eyes looking into her father's eyes? Is there any way to measure the love that her dad has for her and what he would do for her and what he will do for her 
when it came to surgery time, it says once the... Uh, Once she was peacefully out and her eyes closed, it was go time. Because this patient was more than one of my VIP patients. She was my little girl. I wasn't about to let anything get missed. And Once in place, the, the procedure happened. He says, I, I thank you, Lord. Whisper. And then the planning begins on how to, to help, this, help his daughter recover. I love the picture of Amara looking into her dad's eyes and seeing a limitless love. And then uh, Jesus saying, guys, when you see uh, an earthly father taking care of his child, that's a, just a glimpse of how much the heavenly father loves you. Today I would ask, do you, would you dare to lift your eyes into the eyes of your father in heaven who loves you with a love that's beyond measure, Think about what Tim would do for his father and I, for his daughter and think about what our God has done for us and will do for us and whatever it is that you're going through in your life. I know we all face ups and downs and the doubts are there and the struggles are there, but to rest in this reality that you are loved with an infinite love. And I love the picture of, um, there was another picture that Kimmy sent of Tim. He wasn't pushing Amara out of the hospital. He was carrying her. When it's your daughter, you carry her. Your heavenly Father will carry you, carry us through whatever we're going through. He loves us with a love that cannot be measured. And then the third request, Paul prays that we would see this, that we would grasp this, that we would know this, love, and it flows right into the climax or the crescendo of this prayer, and it's hard to even wrap our minds around this, but this is so good. Request three is there in verses, uh, verse 18 and 19 as he prays. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So he's praying that we would experience the presence of Christ, awaken to the love of Christ, that we might be filled with, with the full measure of, the pre, of God himself. The, the request can be summed up this way, to be filled with the full measure of God, to which we ask, okay, what's that mean? That's a hard one to, to grasp. Like, well, we know it doesn't mean that we become divine. He is only, he is God, and we will never be God or divine. But, but uh, we, we will always be human. But, but here's what it means to the capacity with which he created us to reflect his glory, we are filled to overflowing. So the picture that helped me was if you picture a beautiful ocean, a Caribbean ocean, and you're standing knee deep in this ocean and you have a jar, the jar represents your inner being, your soul, your spirit. Fill that jar and the, the ocean represents all that God is, his love, his joy, his peace, and, and all that God is. And he has made it possible for us to fill that jar up, to be filled with who he is to overflowing, to the full measure of who he is. So that when Jesus says, love the people around you as I have loved you, that we can so, it's as we experience his indwelling, awaken to his love, we can be so filled with the love of God that, that 
His love is just overflowing from our life in every relational interaction that we have. And we are His presence here on earth. When He says, this joy, and God is the most joyful being in the universe, when Jesus said, remember in John 13 to 17, He said, I'm telling this to you guys so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. When we, when he's indwelling us, we're being filled by him and awakening to his love. It's his joy that can overflow regardless of what circumstances you're going through. Peter calls it an inexpressible joy and his peace. How do we get through this world of trouble when it's dark outside and dark in our culture? How do we live with the shalom? It's this prayer that we would be filled with a peace that passes understanding. Guys, is this possible? I read this and I'm just like, no way. (laughs) God's intention for us is that we would be filled up fully with who he is, his love, his joy, his peace as we go out through our lives. Now, this, as I was praying, I think, okay, what would happen if we prayed this prayer? And we believe this. This week, as you go out into your life, as I think about your family, think about your, your wife or your husband, your friend, your, your kid, co-workers, if, if, if they were filled to the full measure of God, what would happen? Church family, if we went out filled with the full measure of who God is, we're his light, aren't we? His presence in this dark world, accomplishing what he's called us to accomplish for his glory. But I hear that voice in... in I hear someone thinking, and I heard it in my head this week, is this really possible? Because <laughs> we do have ebb and flows in our, our love. Is this really possible? And I get that little doubt, like, yeah, John, face reality, man. Is this really possible? And Paul prays this prayer. If we will pray this prayer, and even in these moments as we pray this prayer, is it possible that we could live a moment of life, a day of life, filled up with all that God created us to be for his glory? Is it possible? Here comes some good news. This is the praise part of this prayer. Verse 20, 21, Paul says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. In our own strength, this isn't possible. But when God goes to work, it is. And I love it how he says, in fact, you're asking too little. Whatever your prayer is, God's big enough to do that and more. To him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that's at work within us. And it's all for his glory. I love how this end of this prayer is kind of like the, the clouds part and the blue sky just breaks open in the hope of God just sheds a light on our hearts. Guys, I want to just encourage you today as you pray this, to pray believing. Pray this over those that you love believing. And I I pray and I've asked God that every soul in this house, today, this would be a means of grace. God sovereignly brought each one of us here and those listening online brought us here. And I pray that as we pray this prayer, yes, yes, It's an ordinary day, but it would be no ordinary day that today a love for the Lord Jesus Christ would be sparked and would burn bright till the day he takes us home by means of his word. When God speaks, he creates. He recreates us 
through his word. And when we take his word, believe it and pray it, the creator will do what he said he would do. No word returns void. Today, the rain falls. He said, as the rain falls, my word falls. It causes life to grow. My word will not return void. My brother and sister, would you pray this, believing? These may be the last days. We may be here another thousand years. Regardless, would you pray this, asking God to stoke a fire of love in your heart that would not grow cold, regardless of how dark the atmosphere gets around us. Would you pray that? We don't normally kneel, but if you feel like kneeling, go for it. I'm going to kneel here as we go into a time of prayer and just pray back through this. And so, if you would, just join me in prayer. Father, we ask together that you would do what only you can do through your power, that you would strengthen us First request is that you would strengthen us in our inner being, that we would see with the eyes of faith, that we would, a love in our hearts would be birthed, and that we would be a dwelling place in which, Holy Spirit, you delight to live. We would not grieve you or ignore your nudges. We would be led by you and we would be filled by you. And so, would you just ask the Lord? work in your heart now. second request, would you just ask the Lord to give you the power to grasp his love for you and to know this love would you just ask the Lord to give you a passion to live filled with him faith to believe that that this is possible and then just a passion to pursue it more than we've just asked or imagined, not just for us, but for generations, all for your glory. We praise you for that, Lord. We're so grateful. Keep our love hot to the finish, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As I was thinking about this moment together, I kept thinking about a little church and little community in the mountains of 
France during the Hitler era that crazy days going on around them, but they were devoted to Christ, full of his love, and they were a haven of hope and love and peace and safety for Jews that were on the runs, especially children. And they saved around 5,000 Jews during that time. And when the Nazi regime would show up in town, they'd send the the Jews out into the hills, the forests, and hide. And, And then when the soldiers would leave, their sign was they'd go up in the mountains and they'd start singing songs. And that meant it was safe to come back and to town. I thought about our fellowship here today and hearts, a fellowship of burning hearts, hearts burning with the love of Christ, that we would be like that little town, like that little church, a place of safety, a place of haven, a, a place of hope and love and peace and joy, an outpost of heaven, souls that are fully devoted to Jesus Christ. Every one of us, hearts that are burning with the love for him that cannot be doused by the the times. They burn bright through the rain by his power, for his glory, and with his love. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.